Welcome to The Well, a podcast all about living wisely and faithfully as a follower of Christ. The goal? To give you guidance, food for thought, and to encourage you as you engage the people and situations that you encounter daily. Now, here's your host, Sean Barkley. Greetings, how are you? I hope you're well. It's been one of those days. Like, this is the third time I've tried this podcast today. The last time I was almost done, instead of saying the word city, I said the word kitty. And it did not fit. I started laughing so hard I had to quit. So anyway, I'm not going to use the word kitty for city, I promise, in this podcast. I'm promising myself right now, crossing my heart. Oh, it's been one of those weeks. Do you ever have those where you just feel kind of tired and there's a lot going on and you feel really busy and kind of a lot of pressure? I've just sort of had one of those, and I don't have them very often. I have very few things to complain about in life. And sometimes when we have those weeks, we think, I'm so busy, I just don't have time to pray, which is so odd, because really the busier we are and the more pressure we feel, you would think that would drive us to pray. Instead, we say, I just don't have the time to do that. I just was thinking about that this week. And um, especially in, in light of the fact we've been talking about prayer in these podcasts the last couple weeks. We've looked at a prayer from Moses, a prayer from Jacob. Today, we're going to look at a prayer from one of the good kings of Israel, Hezekiah. So I've known about this series that I'll be speaking and teaching at the church I serve here in Cincinnati and known about it since probably December and I've been thinking about these prayers, and in particular, one day I was walking around the mall, which I do not walk around much, around Christmas time. Actually, I like the mall at Christmas. Do you? I think it's, it's fun. I like the decorations. I don't mind people spraying me with cologne when I walk by, trying to get me to buy something. I don't mind being solicited to go to some kind of performance. I like the decorations. I like the, the noise and the chaos and the people, and I am kind of becoming one of these mall walkers. I mean, I know I'm too young for that. But I do walk faster than most other people in the mall that I'm walking by. So my wife is in there shopping one day, and I'm mall walking. I did like three miles this one day. And I came across a store I could not believe existed. It was the Lego store. You know what Legos are, that little toy. If you're a Generation X baby boomer, you probably remember Legos well. You know, Legos, Tinker Toys, Lincoln Logs. Well, there's a store in the mall for Legos. So it's become a thing again, apparently. And in the window of the store was a life-sized Lego model of Darth Vader from Star Wars. I say life-sized, I'm not sure how big Darth actually is, but this was one big Lego model. And you could buy it. And so if you go in to buy this Lego Darth Vader, they give you a box. But you don't just open the box and boom, out pops Darth Vader. No, you open the box and you find 100,000 Lego pieces that have to be assembled. And I I was thinking about that in terms of prayer. (laughs) That often we think, okay, I'm going to pray to God and boom, God's going to just give it to me right here. But the truth is, often when we pray, God says, what will be your level of participation in this work? Remember, we say often on these podcasts, we pray like it all depends on God. We work like it all depends on us. And so think about that in these next 20 minutes as we talk about prayer, that God calls us not only to pray, but also to participate in what he's doing. I remember years ago, I was chatting with a church in the city where I lived and asked, they were wanting some coaching and some counsel on 
church revitalization. And so I was chatting with the pastor about how this all works and giving the pastor some ideas. Hey, here's some things you can do. And during the course of the conversation, uh, the pastor looked at me and said, so you're telling me there's no silver bullet here? I just laughed. I said, no, there's not any silver bullet here. I'm giving you a process. And, and dead serious, they looked at me and said, that sounds like a lot of work. I said, yeah, it is a lot of work. Sometimes when we pray, we think that means we don't have to do anything. But the truth is, often when we pray, we are encouraged and guided in what it is we're supposed to do. All right, Hezekiah, the king of Israel, good king. Sennacherib was the evil king of Assyria. He was kind of like a bad guy in a Bond movie. You know, had designs on ruling the world. And, and he and his army had conquered nearly 50 kingdoms and city-states by the time they got to Jerusalem. So Jerusalem was in the crosshairs. And he made his way toward Jerusalem with over 200,000 troops. And contrast that with what Jerusalem had. If you think about the city in those days, inside those walls were probably 10,000 people. So that's what the population was. And of those 10,000 people, Hezekiah could probably cobble together a military of 2,000 troops. Big disadvantage there. And so Sennacherib knows he's got the upper hand. And he sends this letter to the king, Hezekiah, kind of talking a little bit of smack. Here's what he says. Hezekiah, king of Judah, do not let the God you depend on deceive you when he says Jerusalem will not be handed over to the king of Assyria. Surely you have heard what the kings of Assyria have done to all the countries, destroying them completely, and you think you will be delivered. I mean, he's just laying it down right there, isn't he? All right, Hezekiah, you think you can do this. Well, good luck to you. Hezekiah receives that letter, and he responds faithfully. Look at what he does. 2 Kings chapter 19, verses 14 through 19. Let me just read it to you. Hezekiah received the letter and read it. Then he went up to the temple of the Lord and spread it out before God. So just think about that image. Here it is, God. Here's the letter. And Hezekiah prayed, Lord God of Israel, enthroned between the angels, you alone are God over all the earth. You have made the heavens and the earth. God, give ear and hear. Listen to the words that Sennacherib has sent to ridicule you. That's true, Lord that they have laid to waste these nations and lands. And they've thrown their gods, little g-gods, in the fire and destroyed them. But they weren't gods, but only wood and stone fashioned by human hands. And so now, Lord, deliver us from his hand, so that all the kingdoms of the world will know that you alone are God. So he basically says, God, he goes to God in prayer and says, God, here is the situation. Well, God hears this and responds. Later in chapter 19, this is fast forward to verse 32. The Lord said, the king of Assyria will not enter this city or even shoot an arrow here. He will not enter this city at all. By the way he came, he'll return and I will defend and save the city. And then the text reads, that night, the angel of the Lord put to death 185,000 in the Assyrian camp. And so Sennacherib broke camp and withdrew. He returned to Nineveh and he stayed there. And actually, he was actually murdered by his son not long after that. Isn't that amazing? 
They did not suffer a single casualty. 200,000 versus 2,000. And as I read that, it might sound like Hezekiah didn't have to do a single thing. But we're going to read a little further and we're going to learn a little more. I love one of my favorite authors. Uh, writes that over 100 years ago, archaeologists uncovered Sennacherib's palace in the place that was Nineveh. And in that palace, the archaeologists found this wall that memorialized Sennacherib's great military victories, you know, the list of the cities and the details of the, the battles and when, of Jerusalem. Here's what is written on the wall. Hezekiah was trapped like a bird in a cage. But that's it. No details after that. Because what we know is he was trapped like a bird in a cage, but he had the Almighty on his side. You see, Hezekiah did what faithful kings of Israel were called to do. They encouraged the people to worship and turn to God in all seasons and circumstances. And I think his prayer, you all, stands as an example and an inspiration for us today. So here's what I want to do. We've been talking about affirmations about prayer. And I've got three more from this text today. The first affirmation we make is that Hezekiah focused on God's power and God's will in his prayer. I mean, think about it. He says, you alone are God over all the kingdoms of the earth. You made the heavens and the earth. In other words, he's saying, God, you are God. He's affirming that. He is shifting his attention away from his own issues and shifting his attention onto who God is. And then he says, Lord, deliver us from the, from the hand of uh, the Assyrians so that all the kingdoms of the earth will know that you alone are God. He is focused on God and not on himself. In other words, remember... <laughs> We use these little sayings, and they sound kind of pithy, but I think they're so true. One of the things we say is, don't tell God about your problems, tell your problems about God. And, and that's what he's doing in this very text. So when you and I experience frustration in prayer, I think, I think we need to examine our hearts and examine our prayers and see if they're grounded in God's will, see if they are God-focused or if they're personally focused on our own stuff. You know, Jesus once said, in John 14, and whatever, and I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And he wasn't saying, I'm just going to do whatever you ask, as long as you say Jesus at the end of it. No, that was his way of saying, when you pray in my name, according to my will, according to who I am, according to what I'm doing, according to the kingdom work that is ongoing, when you pray in that, I will indeed hear and respond and answer and do so that God is glorified, not so that we are glorified. See, as a church, the, at least the one I serve, one of our values and distinctives is that we are grounded in God's Word. And if we're grounded in God's Word, if you're grounded in God's Word right now, it enables you to know God's will and purpose more fully. Where I am sitting right now, I'm looking out the window, there is a highway, it's Highway 42, the Cincinnati-Columbus Road. Years and years ago, this road was actually a path that was worn by buffalo traveling north and south in this area. And of course, then it became a path that was used by humans, and then it was paved over. It became Route 42. In urban planning, there is a concept called a desire path, where basically people who are engaged in the urban planning see where people naturally walk, and they build accordingly. And so the sidewalk goes where the path is worn. 
when you and I immerse ourselves in God's work, it's like that desire path. God shows us where it's worn. God shows us this is, this is the route you are to take. This is where I've been traveling back and forth. This is what I've been doing. And so the first thing he does is he focuses upon God's power and will. God, this is who you are. Your will, this is what you've said you will do. And that's what you and I are called to do. So if you've got something going on in your life, think about this. Let's, do, let's just back up a minute and turn to God and say, God, I know this is who you are and what you're doing. And I know this is your will. I want to pray into that. And so Hezekiah, another affirmation that we can learn from him is that he also prayed confidently. Now, he didn't pray in his own wisdom. He didn't pray confidently in his own power, confidently in his own talent. But he was praying confidently in the power and in the goodness of God. Verses 17 and 18. It's true, God, they have laid to waste all these nations and their lands. And they've thrown their gods into the fire. They've destroyed them. But you and I know, God, they weren't really gods. They were just made out of wood and stone and fashioned by human hands. In other words, he's saying, you know, those defeated nations did not have you. They had these little G-gods that they had somehow made and we were all bowing down to and trying to see power from and find meaning from. But, but you're the God of the universe. And so therefore, what Hezekiah is doing is making prayer his defense and his weapon in this battle. You see, prayer is God's appointed way of accomplishing his will in our lives because when we go to God in prayer, we're comforted, we're encouraged, and we're directed. And so we pray confidently, not because of how great we are, but because of how great God is. So in, in my work, you know, I'm often confronted with issues that I got to deal with. And we all are. You've got issues you're dealing with right now, problems you're trying to work on. And, and often I find myself sitting in my office trying to solve these problems or deal with these issues rather than first and foremost heading to the sanctuary or wherever and, and praying over them. And what I have found is that when I spend my time in prayer first and, and pray in great confidence that, that God has this, and that God can, God can see where it's all going, it, it gives me different ideas and different ways of working through these issues. And so with Hezekiah, notice that he spread out the letter from Sennacherib before God. He just laid it out and said, Oh, all powerful Lord, here's the situation. Question for you. Is there something in your life, a situation, an issue, a challenge, that you should spread out before the Lord? Because what we see here is Hezekiah reminds us that God can do more with 2,000 of his own than any powerful human being can do with 200,000 of their own. And so we pray in that confidence and we just say, God, here's my issue. You might have bills that you can't pay. God, I'm going to spread these bills out in front of you. Help me to see what it is you are doing. Speaking of confidence, I like history, I like philosophy, and studied that years ago. And I remember coming across a man named Voltaire. He was French back in the 1700s. You know, we have people with one name, Madonna, Prince, Michael, LeBron, Kobe. Well, Voltaire was one of those one-name guys. Uh, he was a writer, philosopher, and he was, a, he was an avowed critic of religion, especially Christianity. He was a huge atheist kind of guy. And he made a prediction. By the year 1900, no one 
will even remember the Bible. Well, let's do a little uh, straw poll here. How many of you have heard of the Bible? How many of you remember Voltaire? Uh, see, he, he, he didn't realize who he was dealing with. And that gives me confidence, just to think that God has been at this for so long. And in particular, the Bible. Yeah, it's not exactly been forgotten, has it? I think it's the most widely read book on the planet. So when we pray, we go to God in confidence, not in ourselves, but in God. And then one more thing, and here's the one I love. After he prayed, Hezekiah planned and he worked. I got to read a passage to you. This is going to seem obscure, and I think you're going to like it. It's from 2 Chronicles 32. And it is a story about Sennacherib threatening Jerusalem and Hezekiah's response. So after all that Hezekiah had so faithfully done, Sennacherib, the king of Israel, came and invaded Judah. He laid siege to the fortified cities, thinking to conquer them for himself. When Hezekiah saw that Sennacherib had come and that he intended to make war on Jerusalem, he consulted with his officials and military staff about blocking off the water from the springs outside the city, and they helped him. A large force of men assembled, and they blocked all the springs and the stream that flowed through the land, saying, Why should the kings of Assyria come and find plenty of water? Then Hezekiah worked hard repairing all the broken sections of the wall and building towers, built actually another wall outside that one and reinforced it, he also made a large number of weapons and shields. He appointed these military officers over the people, assembled them before him in the city square and encouraged them with these words, be strong and courageous and do not be afraid or discouraged because the king of Assyria and the vast army with him, for there is a greater power with us than with him. With him is only the arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God. And he will help us fight the battles. Do you see what Hezekiah is doing there? He prayed a lot. He also cut off the water supply. <laughs> he also rebuilt the walls. And so visitors who now go to Jerusalem can take in the Tunnel of Siloam. It's an underground channel, the one that Hezekiah built. You see, in a siege, the attacking army cuts off the food, cuts off the water, cuts off the supplies to the enemy. Sennacherib arrived outside Jerusalem, he couldn't find the faucet to turn the water off because Hezekiah not only prayed, but he acted. He did something. He was not passive. So, you know, I think about my own life when I deal with certain things. Often I find myself just saying, God, just take care of it, please. And God says, no, I want you to participate. I want you to be active. I had an old friend of mine years and years ago who uh, had brain cancer. And he loved to tell the parable of the man who asked God to rescue him from the flood. You've probably heard this, but it's worth repeating. So the old parable goes like this. Man was on top of his house and the flood waters were rising all around his house. And someone in a and he prayed to God. Let me back up there. He prayed to God, God, come rescue me. And he felt assured that God was going to rescue him. And so a few minutes later, a guy in a boat came by and said, hey, why don't you hop in the boat? I'll take you to dry land. 
And the man on top of his house said, no, it's okay, God's going to rescue me. And he continued to look toward the heavens. A few minutes later, another boat came by. The waters were rising. Climb in this boat, I'll take you to dry land. No, God has promised that he's going to rescue me. I'm waiting for him. A third boat came by. The waters were starting to close in on the man on his roof. The person in the boat said, you got to get in this boat. I'll take you to dry land to safety. And the man on the housetop said, no, God's got this under control. He's promised to come rescue me. Finally, the waters were almost ready to carry him away, and a helicopter appears up in the heavens, and a ladder is sent down. If Climb up the ladder, and you can be saved from the flood. And the man yells up to the helicopter, go get someone else. God has promised that he will come and rescue me. End of the story, the man is swept away, and he drowns in the flood. He gets to heaven and angrily says to God, says to the Father, you promised you would come rescue me, but you never showed up. And God says, no, actually, I showed up four times, three boats and a helicopter, and each time you were not willing to do your part. There is just that, I love that, by the way, and you've probably heard that a million times, but there's just a sense that when we pray, we trust that God is going to act, but we also engage in what God is calling us to do. Prayer is not passive. Prayer is active. So there you go. I hope uh, you enjoy the rest of your week and your day. Food for thought. Let me just recap for you real quick. Hezekiah focused on God's power and will when he prayed. When Hezekiah prayed, he did so with confidence in God, not himself. And after he prayed, he also worked and planned. Have a great day. Bye now.